you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waits, the Fearless Business Coach. And I've got a fantastic guest on today. It's Michael Feldstein, the founder of MGF Marketing, who has 38 years working for leading companies in direct marketing industries such as Boardroom and MBI, um, and has since set up his own company, obviously, MGF, that we mentioned earlier on. So welcome to the show, Michael. It's great to have you on. Thank you, and welcome to all the fearless marketing members. So we're, we're, we're going to dive straight into it and hopefully um, give some of the people listening and watching this today um, some great insights into how to um, get better results from their email marketing campaigns. Um, so let's just dive straight in. Kind of where, where, where is the best place to start, Michael, with, with email and getting better results? Well, I'm going to focus on subject lines, and I think that's a, that's a big part of email. And, uh, you know... I don't, know, I don't know how many people realize this, but there are 300 billion emails that are deployed globally each year, which um, is a lot of emails. Now, the average open rate is 22%, okay, which that's average. That means that 234 billion emails are never even opened each year. Now, don't get me wrong, that still means 66 billion emails are opened, and that accounts for for a lot of business, uh, so I'm not minimizing that, but when you think of all the effort that we put into crafting great emails and landing page copy, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we gave a little bit more thought to the subject lines, which if done correctly, can allow a lot more people to actually see our offers and potentially generate generate more sales. You know, most, most folks leave subject lines uh, to the person doing kind of the technical deploying. They'll spend a lot of time writing the email. They'll be spending a lot of time on the landing page. And then when they're all done, they'll give it over to the technical guy and say, you know, send it out and come up with a subject line. Well, that's that's terrible because with the right subject line, you could really increase the amount of people who A, see your offer and B, uh, convert and, 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 uh, and sign up for whatever you're uh, selling. It's funny, isn't it? Because um, if if there was like a tax, a, like a dumb tax for doing really poor subject lines that meant for every person that didn't read your email, you had to pay $10, people would probably put quite a lot more thought into it, wouldn't they? They certainly would. And maybe, you know, maybe because email is free, uh, people, people don't spend a lot of time on it. But, you know, let's look at some numbers. Like, let's say you're deploying 100,000 emails. For argument's sake, you can use whatever number you have. If it's a thousand, ten thousand, the percentages will still work. So let's say you get a twenty percent open rate, which means you get twenty thousand opens, um, and that let's say you get ten thousand. I'm sorry. Let's say you get a ten percent click-through rate, which means you're getting two thousand clicks. The clicks as a percentage of opens, and let's say of the people who click, ten percent of those people actually convert to whatever you're offering, which means you're getting 200 orders. Um, you know, not bad, but let's say you increase the open rate from 20% to 30%. Suddenly, you're getting 30,000 opens and you're getting 3,000 clicks 
and 300 orders. So you've increased the number of orders by 50% simply by getting more people to open your email. And here's, here's the best part of all. If you also increase the click-through rate to 20% and the conversion rate to 20%, that means you're now going to get 30,000 opens, you're going to get 6,000 clicks, and you get 1,200 orders. So you've geometrically increased the number of orders by 500% by increasing all three legs of the uh, conversion tripod. And what are some of the kind of common mistakes which you find people make with subject lines, apart from rushing it and just leaving it to the, you know, till the end? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest problem that I see people have is that they'll just, um, you know, come up with a, um, a very drab email not, say, saying nothing. I, I, the purpose of a subject line email, an email subject line, is, is really, it's a teaser. The, the only purpose of a subject line is to get your prospects to open the email. It's equivalent to the teaser copy on an, on an outer envelope. Um, there's a, a great copywriter named Bill Jamie who uh, uh, described what a teaser copy of an outer envelope should be. He said, it's where your prospect decides whether to stop, look, and listen. It's the come on, the headline on the ad, the dust jacket on the book, the display window outside the store or the hot pants on the hooker. I love that line, it's the hot <laughs> pants on the hooker. So th that's really the purpose of a subject line, it's just to get you to open the email. So uh, a lot of people don't realize that, they'll just give away too much that, or they'll just say say nothing. The idea is to create some interest and that's, and that's the biggest mistake people make. It's hard, isn't it, as well, because you only get a certain, especially with mobile devices, the subject lines aren't generally that, that long, what you can actually see in the email app on your phone. So you kind of got to create quite a big impact in just a few characters or words, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Tend to tend to be shorter. Shorter subject lines tend to be better than longer subject lines, and you want to, you know, hit them really hard right away with something short and snappy. And generally, those are the subject lines that work the best. Absolutely. And also it shouldn't be, you know, that you see a lot of kind of, there's a lot of emails, which I get, which are very much like bait and click. You kind of, you read the subject line and then, you know, you get into the email and the two don't correlate. They're not, you're, they're not about you're the hundred percent correct. Like if I had an email saying, I'm going to give away a hundred dollars to the first hundred people who, who open this, you know, you're going to get a really high open rate, but if you're not going to deliver on that promise, what good is it? So it's really three things, as I said. It's the open rate, it's the click rate, and it's the conversion rate. And all three are important. And sometimes if you come up with the right subject line, the conversion rate, the click rate will also go up because whatever you're saying in the email body copy and whatever you're offering, it all flows nicely. So again, you wanna look at all three, but if you're doing it right, uh, the right subject line will lead to better conversions and which will also lead to better um, order, order rate as well once you're on the landing page. Cool. And um, before we kind of, I know we're going to talk about hopefully some examples of um, subject lines which people could potentially use in their emails, but there's, there's lots of different types of, or several different categories of subject lines, aren't there, which, um, uh, which you kind of recommend. Could you give us a few examples of how you categorize the subject lines? Yeah, I actually have come up with 15 different categories for su successful subject lines, and I, I'll, I'll go through them now and we can, we can talk about them a little bit, Robin. 
Um, the first one, it's an interesting one. Big numbers in 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 your subject lines uh, tend to get a lot of interest. Uh, example: uh, If you had a headline, a subject uh, line, excuse me, that said uh, Trump's nine million six hundred and thirty-four thousand eight hundred and seventy-nine dollar deception. Uh, that big number, that nine million six hundred thirty-four thousand eight hundred seventy-nine, really hits you when you see the subject line. And uh, anytime you can use really big numbers in your subject lines, I think uh, it, it, it works. And by the way, if you have a big number like nine million, write out the zeros. In other words, make it look like a big number. Don't just uh, spell out million because then you lose the effectiveness. So that's that's the first category that's good. Uh, questions, always good to use questions in subject lines. Um, a good example of that, a subject line that says, can you do this in the car? So people are wondering, you know, what is he talking about? So anytime you can kind of pose a question, it becomes uh, intriguing to people and they'll tend to open it. Um, another one, which is similar to questions, a little bit different, I call them fascinations or teasers. Um, an example of this is one of the famous teasers that we used when I was working at Boardroom Publishing, what never to eat on an airplane. Now, if someone saw that subject line, they, they'd really be curious. What is he talking about? What should I never eat on an airplane? And um, uh, anytime you can kind of tease people with, a, with, a, with an interesting and intriguing kind of subject line, that tends to uh, uh, you know, increase the open rate. Um, fourth, personalization. Um, I know that sometimes it's overused, but the statistics show that if you personalize with either a person's name or their address or their um, or any other information that you have of you know from them, uh, and you put it in the subject line, it tends to give you a lift. You know, anywhere from ten to fifteen percent. So. Again, if appropriate, if you can personalize with the name or some other information that's appropriate, um, definitely consider doing that. Um, so those are those are a few things. Uh, seasonal. Um, anytime that you can tie the subject line to the season, that tends to create interest because everybody is focused on what season it is. So, for instance, if it's close to New Year's, um, you know, you might have a subject line, the seven craziest New Year's resolutions. Or if it's near Thanksgiving or if it's near uh, Christmas, there may be some seasonal stuff that you can do. Summer, um, uh, whatever, whatever the season happens to be. Um, another one, anger, which is a, a one you have to be a little careful with, but it can work. Um, if you can get people angry about something, they tend to open up the email. So an, an example of this is why your dumb friends make more money than you. Gets you angry. Gosh, you know, what is this guy, Joe, my, my friend, he's making, he's making uh, uh, so much more money than me. Why is, he, why is he able to do that? So getting people angry tends to get them to um, be intrigued and to open their email. So if you can use anger in your subject lines, um, uh, that's a good one. Uh, another one, reason why. Um, anytime you can explain or, or, or 
give you know a reason why or, or tell people that you're going to give them a reason why in your subject line, that tends to increase the open rate. Um, an example of this is why you always forget where you put your car keys. I mean, there's an, a good you know example of something that everybody does. You know, what's the reason why? Boy, I'd like to know, and it happens to me all the time. So if you can kind of uh, come up with a subject line that uh, you'll be able to answer with a reason why, that 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 will be a good one to use. Um, benefits, of course, benefits are always uh, uh, great to use for subject lines. So uh, if you can give them a benefit or promise them that you're going to give them a benefit in the email, that's something that you want to uh, consider. Good example of this. Um, prepare a healthy meal in nine minutes. Okay, there's a real benefit to people who you know are 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 uh, are cooking. Uh, boy, but I'd certainly like to know about that. Um, oh, testimonials, another good one. Uh, we know the importance of testimonials in um, in 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 copy and in in offers. Uh, you can use them in subject lines also. So good example, one-legged golfer drives a golf ball 300 yards. Um, there's a good example of a testimonial that uh, seems intriguing. So that's going to, you know, definitely create some interest and, um, and, and increase your open rate. Uh, another one, targeted group. If you're going to a particular list that's very targeted, okay, that's very, that's, you know, all of the people who are on that list um, are in the same group, have common interests. You can talk to them that way. So, for instance, um, uh, you know, we've got an election coming here in the States. Uh, if you had a, uh, an email saying, attention, registered Democrats, okay, it immediately identifies people with a certain group and it makes them want to read what you want to tell that group. So that's another way to increase your subject lines. Um, people love lists. You remember David Letterman's uh, top 10? Uh, everybody loves lists. So if there's anything you can do to um, create a list in your email, that's a good subject line to use. So uh, uh, as an example, the 11 best copywriting blogs. People want to know what's on that list. Who's going to make the list? Who are the ones that should be, um, uh, you know, that you should be reading? Um, so list uh, uh, subject lines are always very good. Um, of course, then there's news. You know, if there's something in the news, um, you may um, you may be intrigued. Uh, if you had an, a good example of this, uh, you know, uh, people know that, that Trump just had... Uh, 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 COVID. Um, so if you had a subject line, the results of Trump's COVID-19 latest test, boy, that would be something people would immediately be interested in because it's in the news. They know, they want to know what you, uh, what, what you have to say about it. Now, again, it's not that you're just reporting about his, his you have to have something that, you know, relates to that, but at least this, if, if you can somehow then relate you know, that news item to whatever you're offering, which is always the challenge, then, um, then, then, then you've got something really good. Because again, the subject line brings you into the email and then the email, of course, you'll, 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 you'll go, 
go further and uh, expand on that and somehow tie that subject line to whatever you're um, you're trying to sell. Um, oh, this is the mo probably the if not the most important one of the most important uh, scarcity. Um, it always works. Uh, we have only five left. Offer expires in three hours. If there's any kind of um, scarcity that you can make in the uh, subject line and tie it to your offer, uh, that tends to move the needle quickly. People really react uh, strongly to anything um, that you're talking about uh, that's limited. Uh, scarcity works very, very well. Um, finally, just two more. Um, some people can actually uh, mention the offer in the um, in the subject line. So as an example, $95 today, $395 tomorrow. So there's this um, idea that you're immediately saving money. You tell them right up front in the subject line. And then again, they'll get into the email and hopefully um, um, uh, convert. And then finally, uh, suspense, okay? Uh, similar to the teasers or fascinations, but um, leaving people in suspense. Example of this is, did you hear the news? So again, you're creating this sense of suspense that people wanna know, and they're more likely to open an email like that. So again, those are the 15 categories that, um, that I think um, can really work to your advantage and to, um, to help you. The, I, the challenge, of course, is to whatever you're selling, whether you're selling services, whether you're selling a product, is to figure out how to take these um, categories and apply them to whatever you're doing. But, but these are, are the categories that I think you should start thinking about and try to structure a subject line within one of these 15 categories. Amazing. Well, I, uh, Michael, it's the end of the podcast. I've got my next year's worth of email subject lines sorted out, so I'm off to <laughs> <laughs> write some emails now. I'm joking, of course. Um, that's amazing. I mean, it, th there's, there's so many ideas in there already about different ways to think about how to kind of construct a subject line. And I remember um, uh, I've got a, a, a copywriting friend of mine, you may or may not know him. He's an Aussie guy called Trevor Toe, Toe Cruncher Crook. And he, um, he once told me, he said that a copywriter's job isn't it's got nothing to do with writing. He said it's 90% doing the re research and understanding your audience, understanding your client and their products and their offer. And then it's 10% about actually getting, you know, down words down on paper and doing the writing part of it. And I'm guessing a major part with email, one of the be major benefits of email is you can also split test different sort of ideas for subject lines as well, relatively easily. So rather, rather than you kind of, pinning your hopes on one subject line, you could test 10 different subject lines and see which ones work best. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Um, and uh, email lends itself perfectly to what we call A-B testing. Um, what some of the smartest marketers do is, uh, let's say they have a list of, of 100,000 emails. Or again, you can use whatever number it is. You'll, 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 you'll see in a minute. Uh, so let's say they have 100,000 emails what they'll do at first is send out um, 10,000 emails and split it to, you know, into two groups, 5,000 and 5,000 with two different subject lines. And then after 24 or 48 hours, they'll see which one does, does better. And then for the rest of the 90,000 emails, send out the one that, that, that is 
you know, has the higher open rate or the click rate or the conversion rate. So that's that's definitely a smart way to do it. And a lot of the email programs actually can do that for you automatically. Oh, and wow. I'd encourage, yeah, and I'd encourage people to ask their email uh, deployer to see if that can be done. Uh, the, the, the better email uh, programs can can do that. And that's a, that's a great strategy because what it does is allows you to, um, to really maximize, uh, you know, your, your effectiveness with the best, uh, the best subject line or the best offer. And again, it doesn't have to be subject lines. You could, you could have the same subject line, but have different email copy. And that could be the test. Single variable testing though is, is critical. In other words, you all, you want to, you want to test only one thing. Okay, you don't want to test multiple things because then you don't know which which of the items that, that you know that are different um, are 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 are, um, are affecting the response. So single variable testing is very important. I was um, listening to Ryan Holiday book the other day, and he was talking about um, a copywriter who signed up to like hundreds, if not thousands, of lists just so they could essentially get bombarded with emails. Um, specifically so that they could pick out the subject lines which really stood out to them. Well, that's, you know, it's funny. That's exactly what I did. I get, I'm, I'm sad, sad to admit it, but I get about 700 emails a day. Wow. Now, now, mind you, I don't read 700 emails a day. Okay. But, but, but I do read the subject lines of 700 emails. Okay. And uh, the ones that stand out are the ones that I tend to open and, and read. And the ones that have st- stood out are the ones that I have collected actually into a group. I, I picked out 35 subject lines that I think are fantastic. And those are my 35 favorite subject lines. I've actually collected them. And um, what, I, what I'm, I'm glad to do is um, anybody who would like a list of those 35 subject lines with the, with the company that has sold them, along with the 15 categories for, for successful subject lines that I, that I reviewed, I put that into a little PDF. And if you send me an email, okay, I, I promise I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, I won't get lost. Send it to Michael Feldstein Marketing. Uh, Michael Feldstein, F-E-L-D-S-T-E-I-N, marketing, all one word, at gmail.com. If you put in the subject line, subject lines, okay, I will immediately send you a PDF of uh, this report, which has 35 uh, of my favorite subject lines, along with the categories for successful subject lines that I I talked about. But uh, anyway, yeah, I've signed up for so many so many e-letters and stuff just to keep monitor, you know, to keep my eyes on, on, on what I think are, 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 are the companies that are doing a good job. And uh, again, I don't have time for 700 emails a day, but um, the ones that stand out are the ones that I read and uh, you'll see it's the companies that, that are usually the most successful that, uh, that have those good subject lines. Can you, can you share with us like one or two of your, your top, like the ones that are right at the top there that, uh, and, and maybe kind of break down, like give us a bit of a rationale behind why they, yeah. favorite, why they work so well. Yeah. There's this company called Wealth Insider Alert and um, they have a subject line and I've, I've gotten this email several times. It, it reads as follows, buy, and then in parentheses, I repeat, buy, close parentheses, this stock today. 
that to me is a really effective subject line for a couple of reasons. First of all, the idea that they're repeating something by, I repeat by, you know, it shows how strong they feel about, you know, this stock. And then again, realize they say this stock. It's not like they're, you know, giving you a bunch of stocks. So there's something about this stock that makes you want to know, well, what stock are they talking about? And I, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that this subject line is getting a really, really high open rate. I've seen it a lot. And I, um, I, I know they probably are getting a good click rate and conversion rate if the offer, you know, since the offer itself is really um, uh, delivering on the claim. So that's, that's one of my favorite um, subject lines. Um, another one that I like is, um, is by the Harvard Medical School. They have a, um, um, an, a regular e-letter. And uh, I saw this recently. It says, can you really regain your lost hearing? Um, it's one of, you know, one of those subject lines that, that fits into the question category. So it's a question, but it's a really, you know, an important question in this, for those who are, you know, maybe elderly who are, you know, feeling that they're losing their hearing and they may want to see if that they, you know, possibly can gain back. And the idea of being able to regain something they've lost is a very, very powerful claim. So that, that one I really like. Um, then there's this kind of contrarian one that I like. It's by a company called the Outsider Club. Um, <laughs> and this, this subject line reads as follows. Delete this ASAP, exclamation point. Do not forward, um, exclamation point. So this is an example of, of um, again, kind of contrarian. Um, they don't really want you to delete this, obviously. They don't mind if you forward it, but what they're trying to do is, you know, tell you how important it is that they don't want this shared with anybody. And it makes you want to read it because they, you know, you feel that it's really exclusive. So it's a really, you know, again, a very clever subject line um, in order to, you know, deliver on this claim, you have to have something that's really exclusive and important. But when you do have something that is really exclusive and important, it's a really, really good um, subject line. So those are those are a few of the ones that I like. I I, I have you know another uh, uh, 2530 that I like that I'll be you know happy to send people. But that's that's kind of a, a, a good um, summary uh, of of a few uh, subject lines that I've seen that I like, that, that I know is working because I've gotten the emails on, uh, on multiple occasions. Well, we'll, we'll make sure that we um, share an, a note in the show notes about the PDF and also drop your email address in there so people can get in touch with you about that. Do you, do you ever have a bit of a quandary? So when you see a new, a new subject line come in and you're like, oh, well, that could make the top 35. Do you, do you, have you ever had to knock any off the list? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, um, you know, it's a, um, always, there's always, um, some changes. There's always new stuff that's coming out. There's always new, um, you know, new ideas, uh, that, that, that people are using. Uh, look, email really lends itself to all sorts of creative, um, creative activity and, 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 you know, certainly from the standpoint of subject lines, um, 
uh, within that that small space, you 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 know you 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 it really forces you to be very creative if you're doing your job right. So yes, absolutely. Do you think um, this is a slightly left field question? Um, do you do you think that with that amount of data, getting hundreds of emails a day, and all of those subject lines out there, if somebody collated those, do you think there's a uh, a danger that artificial intelligence could eventually, you know, or potentially do the job of a a good copywriter? You know, it's a good question. I know that there are some programs out there. Um, I think somebody has something called a uh, a headline analyzer, which um, you know, you type in your headline and it'll tell you how effective it is based on, I guess, the words used, the, you know, the, um, um, the length, um, some, some other factors as well. I'm not, not sure exactly how the algorithm works, but there's no question that artificial intelligence is there right now and, and is able to, you know, you know to, to at least predict um, to, a, to a certain extent how, how effective, um, you know, a headline or an offer or something like that's going to be. But I don't think it'll ever totally replace creativity and copywriters. Uh, you know, uh, there's a certain mindset that you have to have that I think um, is going to be important regardless of how, you know, smart a computer or how, how uh, clever artificial intelligence is because, I don't think I don't think artificial intelligence can really get into the customer's head the same way as 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 a copywriter can or as a um, you know as an entrepreneur as an owner who's who's selling something can because um, you know you have to really know the customer that's that's really the the crit you know the critical um, you know the critical part here and. Um, you know, you could look at all, all the stats you want in the world and all the algorithms you want in the world, but I'm not sure that it's, you know, quite as effective as someone who really knows their customer. 100%. I, I think I'd agree with you. You know, I think that, that one day, you know, in several decades time, I think the artificial intelligence will start to kind of catch up. But the human brain is so complex, you're never going to be able to, there's nothing really, I don't think that will ever be able to truly beat that in terms of being able to be creative enough and also be able to, you know, and have that sort of human connection, that emotion, emotive connection to other human beings. And and deep understanding. Let's shift gears a little bit because I want to get to know Michael Feldstein as well, not just about all of your knowledge that you've managed to collect over the last 30 years. <laughs> How did you get into marketing, advertising, copywriting in the first place? Yeah, so this goes back a long time. You know, my first marketing job out of school was for a, a collectibles company called MBI. Some people know it more as the Danbury Mint and the Postal Commemorative Society. Um, I was right out of school and it was just a fabulous uh job for an entrepreneurial guy like me because uh, the, the company had an interesting philosophy. They basically just, you know, hire, hire people and then give you the product and it was sink or swim. They didn't have meetings. Believe it or not, there's a company that had absolutely no meetings. They just basically gave you the product and they said, you know, run with it. And, you know, I was young, I was hungry, I was, uh, uh, you know, excited to learn marketing. And I just loved it. So for for first job, it was fabulous. And, uh, you know, it was really like you were running, you know, your very own business. Uh, that was the whole focus of the company. So, uh, you know, I stayed there for about three years. Um, and then afterwards, I uh, started the very first baseball card collectors club. Now, I know baseball is not big in England, but baseball is huge in, in America. And 
in the early 90s, that was kind of the height of the baseball card craze. People were investing in rookie cards. They were collecting all sorts of, you know, baseball stars. They thought they'd make some money. There was the idea that baseball is so American. It's, it's just something to collect. So we came up with a, with a continuity club where every month we would pick the best cards for you for $30 a month. And uh, it was hugely successful. Uh, we had, you know, I'm a big sports fan, so I had, I had a ball, um, uh, you know, selling it. And it was just a lot of fun. And that kind of later I was able to convince QVC, uh, you know, the big home shopping and station to begin selling autographed comics and other comic book collectibles. So it was uh, uh, autographs were the craze at the time. And, you know, we were able to capitalize on that on on television. Again, just a lot of fun that I had during that time. And then, um, you know, my friend Brian Kurtz, who, who uh, we can get to a little later. Also, he's the, he was the executive vice president of Boardroom. Uh, really one of the leading direct response publishers in, 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 in the country. Um, he was working there and he convinced me to start, you know, working at, at Boardroom. And I'm so happy that I did because Boardroom uh, is one of those companies where um, you could really unleash your creative instincts and grow a business without the usual, you know, bureaucracy and red tape that exists at most corporations. And we had um, we were able to launch a successful infomercial uh, for several health books that generated more than $100 million in sales uh, a year. Uh, it was a great run. We, we, we dealt with some of the um, most famous copywriters who, who wrote some fabulous direct mail packages. Uh, and, and it just gave me a huge amount of satisfaction to work with Brian and, and Marty Edelson, the founder of Boardroom, who kind of is a legend in the direct, direct marketing industry. And then about a year ago, I went out on my own as a consultant. And I'm now trying to take the 30 years of 30 plus years of, of marketing wisdom that I have and help others build their business using proven direct marketing techniques. And that's kind of where I'm where I'm at now. Yeah. And I'll correct you on, on one specific word there, Michael, trying to. I think you're doing <laughs> it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It's uh, listen, everybody. You know, I, one of the things I believe is that everybody can learn more, okay, from 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 whomever. I'm never the smartest person in 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 the room. I always want to I always want to be learning from somebody else, and uh, uh, that's a philosophy that I've always had. That's not to say that I can't teach a few people a thing or two, and I certainly like, you know, like doing that, and I I, I try, but I'm 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 a um, a constant learner and I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be uh, tired of learning, learning new information about this business. We, we have a, a obviously in Brian Kurt. So we have a mutual connection there. Cause obviously I've recently joined his, his mastermind, which is just fascinating. Cause I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I ran a marketing agency myself for 12 years and I'm, I've um, more recently since setting up the coaching practice, I've got much more interested in copywriting and, that's how Brian and I met. So um, one of my favorite books of all time is Breakthrough Advertising, you know, and, and the way that um, uh, Gene Schwartz kind of breaks down headlines and, psycho you know, human psychology and the five stages of market sophistication and things like that. And um, but one of the things that's obviously like come to my awareness through working with Brian is that, you know, um, and it, looping back to what we were talking about at the start, you know, there was real jeopardy when you were doing direct response copy back copywriting back in, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s or even the 90s, you know, it's, it's dawn of the Internet age. 
there was massive jeopardy because you had to put money into the print, you had to put money into postage, you had to put money into the marketeers who are helping you to launch, you know, whatever products it is that you're you're putting out there into the market. Um, I can't imagine the scale of some of the projects that you must have worked at, like a boardroom. Yeah, yeah, we we mailed you know millions of, of direct mail pieces, um, uh, and and uh, yeah, it's a, it's always a little bit scary when you're you're doing that. In fact, uh, actually, the biggest mailing I ever worked on was 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 uh, was when I was at MBI. I was working on a a continuity program called the Gold Replica Stamps Program, and we actually dropped uh, ten million pieces of mail. Um, at, at one time, which is an enormous amount of mail. And, you know, back the, even ben, back then, you know, the marketing cost was about $3 million just to, to put the thing in the mail. And, you know, I, it scared me to death. I mean, the idea that, that we're spending that kind of money. But the wonderful thing about direct response and, and you, is, you know, you have some numbers to back it up. All the lists that we selected, we had history on. And, you know, based on that history, we knew you know, with with a, a fair degree of certainty that it would be coming back to us in in terms of profits, and and uh, that's what it's all about. Um, I think and, and with that, that um, specific campaign, what sort of results did you did you get? Um, you know, we we were able again. It was a continuity program, so we weren't able to make money in the first month. But after you know three to six months, it it, it came back to. Um, uh, to be profitable. And that was the key. We generated, uh, you know, uh, many, many thousands of, of new, you know, customers and, and we knew how long they would stay in the continuity program. So we knew there was worth spending that kind of money to get them in. And, um, you know, that's, that's an important concept. I mean, I, I, I know I'm going a little off track of what, what I was, um, um, speaking about today, but the idea of lifetime value is, is, is absolutely critical. Um, Every company, whether you're a coach or a consultant or, or whether you're selling something, you got to know what the long-term value of your customer is because that's going to translate as to how much you're willing to spend to get a new customer. So if your customer, you know, on average is worth $1,000, then you know that you can spend $500 and make a profit eventually on that, um, on that customer. Now, again, cash flow becomes an issue for some people. You know, you don't want to, you know, uh, have to wait 10 years <laughs> before you're, 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 you're getting that, that profit. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, six months or a year, it's worth waiting for as long as you can uh, manage that cash flow. So lifetime value. I think that's, I call it the dirge of Facebook. I think that's one of the biggest, I, I use Facebook as an example. It's just social media and the internet in general. I think it's caused people to want to rush to try and like, you know, to scrap over getting the money as quickly as they can. And they've, they've forgotten about things like customer lifetime value. And, um, you know, in marketing is an investment. It's not a cost in a business. It should be seen as an investment that you get a return on investment on. And, and I think far too many people, I don't know whether it's a millennial thing or whether it's, it's, it's just the nature of the beast with the internet. It's kind of trained people about like this instant gratification. I really wish people would slow down a little bit when it comes to marketing. Yep. I, I couldn't agree with you more a hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, some people get fat and happy if they have a successful, um, you know, offer and they're making money, they, they figure, you know, they, they can do that forever. First of all, that's not going to happen. Second of all, um, 
you know, it's not a way to run a business. I mean, you know, a business is, is you know, you have to think long-term and um, that's, you know, that's the best advice I can give, you know, think of the lifetime value and, um, and think of what, what a customer is worth and what you're willing to invest to get a new customer. 100%. And we, we've talked about a um, couple of books here, but Breakthrough Advertising, you know, I think it's one we, we have mutual ad- ad- adoration for. What's the, that's the yep. right word. What, yep. what other, if somebody's interested in kind of getting into copywriting and understanding advertising a little bit better, what, what would you recommend they kind of, where, would they, where should they go? So I, I, I love Dan Kennedy. Uh, Dan Kennedy has a whole bunch of books, uh, uh, The No BS Guide to, uh, there's a whole series. You can find them on Amazon. Anything that Dan Kennedy uh, does is, in my mind, is is really worth getting. Uh, there's another uh, copywriter named Gary Halbert, who, who you might have heard of, who's kind of a little bit offbeat. Uh, there are some books that he's written which are worthwhile. Um, again, he's he's um, tends to go against the grain, but some of the things that he um, uh, he has said and and written, um, you know, definitely resonate today. Uh, and then um, there's uh, a couple of other people I'll mention. Uh, a guy who just died about a year or two ago. His name is Ted Nicholas. Uh, made uh, um, a lot of money in the direct marketing field in publishing, uh, and and has written several books that are are really worth um, looking at. And finally, you know, the guru that I um, follow when it comes to digital marketing is a guy named Seth Godin. Yeah. Um, Seth, Seth wrote a book called Permission Marketing, which is, in my mind, you know, the Bible of, 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 of digital marketing. I mean, and it's, it's probably 20 years old now, maybe more. But, but basically, it, it's the whole concept that, you know, when you're um, getting a customer via email marketing, um, you know, you want to make sure you have permission to speak to him. And, you know, he was talking about spam before you know the word spam even even uh, came into being and he he's written a lot of books um and and it's really worth worth looking at if you're if you're into digital marketing awesome so and uh, we're kind of coming towards the end of the um the, the show now i mean i could talk about this sort of marketing copywriting and advertising like all day long basically but um, i'm interested to know what what are you um working on at the moment um, you know, I'm working with 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 a bunch of traditional publishers. I'm also getting into, you know, this is interesting. I've I've gotten into working with a couple of nonprofits, which, um, uh, you know, I, I really like. I mean, these are these are folks who really have a have a cause uh, that they believe in, and I'm able to help them, you know, with their marketing, you know, using traditional direct marketing techniques that, that a lot of them, you know, never heard of. And, uh, you know, that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then, um, you know, I, 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 I always keep my mind uh, open to, to, to new opportunities and, uh, you know, you never know what tomorrow will bring. So uh, who knows, maybe there's a, a person listening to this uh, podcast who may have an interesting business and, you know, I can get together with them and, and, and help them with their marketing. We'll see. 
Absolutely. Well, I hope that happens. So we're going to um, we're going to wrap things up uh, momentarily. So you mentioned about the PDF with the thirty five favourite subject lines that you're going to make available to anyone who's listening at the moment, uh, provided they drop you an email address, which we'll share into the show notes. But just to repeat that, it was uh, Michael Feldstein Marketing at Gmail We'll share that in the show notes as well, so I don't have to try and spell That's it. That's correct. And my my set my by the way my um my uh, website is mgfmarketing.com. Uh, folks are welcome to go on to that site as well and, um, and check out what I have there. And, um, you know, this, this has been a lot of fun. I, I just, uh, I love talking marketing. I love the fact that you have a whole bunch of people who are interested and I, I hope what I've, I've, I've shared today is, 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 uh, is looked at as valuable and can help some people with their own marketing. Well, I can see that you've got one fan in the um, Facebook Live that we've set up already in the group. So Kirsty says that her mind has been blown and she's looking forward to reading that PDF. So you're gonna, hey, there's a list, great. We've, uh, we've, we've changed the direction of one person's marketing hopes and dreams um, over the last 40 minutes, which is fantastic. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, my mind's blown as well by just even just the 15 tips you gave about the t- different um, styles of subject line you can write. Um, uh, like I said, we could talk about this all day, but um, really appreciate your time. I've got one more question for you Michael we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine it's a bit like the um, DeLorean in back to the future but fewer oh gosh um, <laughs> and you, you get to punch in the uh, the year of your choosing it doesn't have to be 10 years or we can just stick to 10 years um, and you're going to go back in time and have a word with Michael T minus x number of years so what year is it and what would you say to him so so let's go back 10 years so we're you know we're we're 2010 and if I could give myself some advice at the time, it would be to learn as much as I could back then, you know, about online marketing and digital me- social media and digital marketing. Because back then, you know, I knew that digital marketing was eventually going to be the marketing medium of the future. But, but the truth is, I really didn't take it that seriously enough. And I didn't really learn enough about it to make me an expert today. So right now, you know, I'm still catching up on the ins and outs of digital marketing. The truth is a lot of the kids today, you know, these these 18-year-old kids and 20-year-old kids, they can run circles around me when it comes to the technical knowledge about the online medium. Admittedly, what they don't have is the direct marketing wisdom that I've gleaned in the many years that I've been in the business. But again, if I could go back 10 years, you know, that's that's kind of what I would tell myself, you know, Really, I, I could have learned a lot more about some of the technical aspects of digital marketing that I could, you know, now be be a real expert. Um, so again, hope hope hope, uh, hope I've learned a lesson there. <laughs> it's really interesting, actually, because um, funny enough, I, I share a lot of that. I set up my agency back in two thousand and four, sort of, <clears throat> and that's when you know, back in the day. You could you could set up a website, write yourself a business card, and go to a few BNI or networking meetings, and you could get clients. And I think the world has shifted so much um, in terms of like the different platforms that are available nowadays and things like that. It's it's a totally you know that's only sixteen years ago. It's not that long at all, you know. And even ten years ago, look at how far things have moved on. Um, and I, I kind of wish wish that in two thousand and four, I'd actually invested a little bit more time in understanding, you know, human psychology around if if I knew what I. Knew knew back then about advertising god wouldn't the world be a different place um yep. i hear you so I, I think that's a valuable lesson that you've given everybody there is actually don't stop learning about what's going on right now absolutely 
Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the Fearless Business Podcast. You'd be welcome to come back on any time. Thank you for your time, Robin, and um, good luck to all of the Fearless Marketing members and uh, uh, hope to hear from some of them soon. Mm-hmm.